There were five different sides that could have been promoted on the last match day of the season, but in the end it was Werder Bremen who went up to the Bundesliga alongside Schalke 04. Additionally, there were tears at Darmstadt as HSV managed to secure that promotion playoff spot after a frantic and wildly entertaining match against Hansa Rostock. So, as you can see, we had quite a bit of a last match day of the season in the Bundesliga 2, and that's what we're here to talk about on an all new edition of Talking Foosball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. My name is Nick Wiltagen, and I'm joined by somebody from all the way from Darmstadt. So, whilst I was cracking open a couple of celebratory harkbacks. Uh, Jasmine Barber, your evening on Sunday might have been slightly different, right? Yeah, I would say so. Slightly deflated. Let's put it that way. Anyone who has regularly listened to me would know I'm a bit of a realist. You could even say pessimist, but... I think, yeah, I think that the game, I didn't think we'd win against Paderborn, so I guess one thing was really good for us, we won on the final day. And if you didn't know from before, in the last four Spider Bundesliga seasons, 60 points would have been enough to get you automatically promoted three times out of those four years. So yeah, a little bit anti-climatic, but you know, we would have just ended up in a playoff against Hertha, which I'm not quite sure we would have won that. So yeah, at least I don't have to go through the anxiety of a playoff. Great. Glass half empty, I take it. Anyways, uh, we'll be talking about all the crazy stuff that went on on the last match of the Bundesliga 2. In part 1 of the show, in part 2, we'll take a closer look at some lower league news, a bit of ground hopping advice, and we'll be talking about the playoff between the Bundesliga 2 side and the Dritte Liga side coming up later this week. So all of that is to come on this edition of Talking Fußball Extra, the Aufstieg edition. here we go with part one of the show thanks for listening so on the last match day of the season there were still five sides that theoretically speaking could have been promoted so one of them was san pauli mike's team and as you might have realized uh, by now mike is not joining us today as he's off ground hopping in denmark doing fun stuff once again so san pauli they took on fortuna Düsseldorf. they won that 2-0 that was daniel tiun's first defeat but well they would have needed a massive defeat for HSV and a defeat by Darmstadt as well that would have had to be quite massive. So none of that went their way. So they were out of it. Yeah, I didn't even catch the game. I didn't even know Pauli won. So there you go. <laughs> Enough said about that. It was a game that really could have mattered if a lot of other things would have gone entirely crazy gangbusters. But, you know, so they had, theoretically speaking, uh, a chance to go up, but that didn't pan out for them. Anyways, uh, Nuremberg, they were out of it already. They were, you know, they were just there to play the 90 minutes against Schalke, who had gone up already. So it was kind of a who cares game uh, that Schalke won 2-1 in the end. Really a bit of a holiday kick. Uh, it seemed like many of the players still were thinking about, uh, you know, what kind of islands in the Bahamas they wanted to visit rather than what was actually going on on the pitch. So really a match that uh, was a bit of a, party for both sides and on the stands as you know you you do know that Nuremberg and Schalke do have a great fan friendship so not really much that mattered all that much either did you take anything in particular away from it before now that I've 
completely slagged it off. No, I didn't even see much of that game for probably obvious reasons, seeing as all games were played at the same time. Had mainly two on, so yeah, I didn't. I'm surprised Shaka won, because it looked like they hadn't slept and only drank beer for the whole week. But, you know, their win kind of confirmed the title. If they drew, would Bremen have got the title? Because uh, it, it was 1-1 one, one for quite well. It would have been it would have been enough for them to draw, as their goal difference was actually uh, quite a bit better than Verda's. Okay. Um, so Verda would have had to score another five goals. So no, that didn't really matter. And uh, well, I mean, one takeaway, one takeaway that we can mention is, is the fact that Ricardo Zalazar scored from 58 meters. Oh yeah, I did see that actually. So and that, um, that was a fantastic goal. So that uh, you can go onto YouTube and, and look up. It was, uh, it's well worth your time but other than that doesn't really matter moving down the list of uh, you know teams that had something to do with the fight for promotion let's go to Werder Bremen they were actually in a quite a funny spot and it's sort of one of those uh, spots that can be rather uncomfortable because first of all Werder was relegated from the Bundesliga last season so there's a lot of expectation in the city of Bremen as you know as, as Willy Lemke once put it back in the day uh Werder is Bremen and Bremen is Werder so the football team is really integral to what is going on within the city and the way the city it feels about itself is also linked to how the football team is doing and if you have played for Werder more than one minute you will know that <laughs> not even played for Verde. If you've even been to Verde Bleem, if you've even been to Bleem, see, like, you get confused mm. with the city, and it's so, you can't get away from the Verde signs everywhere. It's the same. It's a really beautiful place, and it's the same. Absolutely. Intertwined. So, just having that week knowing that you need one point, only one point is going to be enough to gain <laughs> direct promotion, and Yes, you're taking on a side that has nothing whatsoever left to play for. Jan Regensburg has actually been one of the three worst teams of the Rückrunde. I mean, at the start of the season, we were talking, hmm, they've taken so many points, could they be an outside contender for promotion? But all of that fell apart. But, you know, they have nothing left to play for. But on the other hand side, they're just a bunch of guys going onto the pitch saying, screw it, I'm just here to have fun. Whilst Werder is facing an awful lot of pressure. But thankfully... Werder Bremen got an early goal after 10 minutes and, and that did enough to ease the nerves quite a bit. Uh, Niklas Fulkrug getting that goal, Marvin Dux getting a second goal for Werder in the second half and that was that. Nobody else was interested in doing anything else for the rest of that match and uh, it allowed Werder to get back into the Bundesliga and uh, one funny side note is the fact that I think it's for the first time in 10 or 11 years that both sides that were relegated from the Bundesliga, go straight back up to the Bundesliga. The last time that happened was when Stuttgart and Hanover went straight back up. When was that? That was a while ago. I think it was... Was it 10 or 11? It might have been slightly shorter than 10 or 11 years ago, but you can look it up. Look it up for yourself if you, if you want. I mean, and that just proves how... And there's been a lot of graphs in terms of like money spent from these teams and their market value... Um, maybe not money spent, but let's go with market value from before, let's say September, um, when the season started and what their finalised teams were. Compared to everyone else's, and I think apart from like 
Hanover and Dusseldorf, who had still quite a lot of good players under their belts, just, you know, uh, funky coaching decisions. No one else kind of came close. So it kind of makes sense that why these two teams would be so high up. They were by far the biggest teams, by far the biggest infrastructure. And yeah, like they've been such big teams in the Bundesliga for so long that even them getting relegated last season was confusing, bizarre. So yeah, that's no surprise that they've come straight back up. A few coaching changes for both on top of that makes it even more bizarre. But yeah, the quality and that. Just one thing I wanted to say about the Werder Bremen match before we move on is that I did mention that it probably was a little bit more nerve-wracking on top of that whole expectation for Bremen to come up because obviously Ole Werner has been in this position before with Kiel last season and messed it up and that would have been, I said it just before the hour game I think and you know that that has an enormous individual pressure especially with everyone else kind of feeling and seeing what he did last season. So yeah so it was really good to um, see him overcome that pressure and yeah really enjoy it by the end of the final whistle and the team fans as well indeed i mean it's always nice to see a good pitch invasion and uh <laughs> it's been too long since we had one of those at the visa stadium <laughs> i mean it's it's a pitch invasion for all the wrong reasons because you don't want to have a pitch invasion when you get you know as, as, a, as a part of a promotion to, to the bundesliga because as a verder fan you want a pitch promotion because you've just won a big national title but <laughs> going by how the business of football is working <laughs> i'll have to wait rather patiently anyways you know on, on what, what we also can imagine now is that, that now that verda and Schalke have gone up those two sides are actually moving rather quickly in terms of securing the personnel they want for the bundesliga uh Schalke have actually signed a couple of players have they <laughs> well i'll extend or made <laughs> loans permanent rather oh okay no. I was about to say what? I all I've all I've seen is what's their name? Hanover make deals. Hanover Han, just, Han City is at it. Han, Han City, City is at it. Have they announced any coaches yet? That's the big thing. They can make all those loans permanent. What about them coaching? Buskin's not gonna Mike Buskin says no, I am not being a head coach. And I won't be there just looking to uh, get into that position once the new head coach is there, he told the press. So um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, no, no, nobody's been announced yet, but um a couple of loans made permanent, uh Ovian, one of them. Piringa, I think is the other. Uh for Werder Bremen it's actually not who has been signed or hasn't been signed, it's rather the fact that they have decided to let Luca Plogman go. I mean that was uh <laughs> That was a given, really. A <laughs> uh, keeper who's uh, spent 15 years at the club, uh, mostly in, in youth teams. He was actually part of that squad that went to the Olympic uh, Games in Tokyo uh, for some funny reason. Well, the reason being that nobody wanted to send their players there, really. He was uh, decisively labelled as one of the biggest goalkeeping talents that Verda has produced. Back in the day, hasn't really panned out for him after a couple of loan stints, so he's gone. Additionally, uh, Lars Lucas Mai is going back to Bayern München where well, he probably won't stay. And uh, Roger Azale, uh, that loan spell that started with when he got that Paladin against Schalke. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from there on out, there was really nothing else left to talk about. So he's gone back to Dijon in, in France. Um, so um, that is what's been going on at Werder. And, well, Frank Bauman is saying that he wants the, most of the squad in place when the team starts its summer prep. Uh, and that is going to be a 
June 19th. I mean, so far, it looks like they are rather close to signing Pascal Gross for that uh, number six position in midfield. Uh, from Bryson. Exciting times. Anyways. <laughs> so two grosses. Two grosses, yes. Two grosses. Oh, mm. lovely. I mean, you know, when they cross each other on on the pitch, they make a gross kreutz Wee. in German. Anyways, <laughs> uh, yay. Yes, anyways. Now that I've I've made one of the piss poor jokes I have to make on any given episode of Aufstieg, let's move on to you, Darmstadt. Oh. So, I mean, it it was it was quite a frustrating afternoon. It it has to be because at halftime, Hansa Rostock in the other match They've nothing left to play for, much like Jan Regensburg. But they're up. They're up. 1-0 up. They've been the better side against HSV. HSV is crumbling under the pressure. Darmstadt, well, they went onto the pitch saying, screw it. We're just going to beat the living daylights out of Paderborn. Yeah, but the thing is, and I kind of get it, because it was, we all knew that this was, well, I knew this was going to happen. And if we made playoff. Maybe it wouldn't have gone so great, as I said. But I thought the aim should have been to score as many goals as possible because if you have a chance, and even if you don't have a chance, it wasn't the most impossible amount of goal difference to get through. Seven? Eight, I think, by the end of the game. Oh, no, but uh, this is what gets me. I knew Hamburg were through one up, so I think I stopped caring, so I missed the last goal. <laughs> so I still my head thought it was eight goals we needed but yeah and by the end it was seven yeah I would have just went for it and I, I understood some of the management like taking off Marvin Milam for Blade and Manu uh, just after half time or just at half time even to you know if you had won and you were in a playoff against her to build in like you didn't fuck up your players. It's alright management, but I'm still a little sad that we didn't just leave our starting lineup on who scored three goals in the first half to try and get another seven or eight. But you know, we only needed one more point. We only needed to maybe not lose 5-0 against Hamburg at home, 5-2 against Schalke at home. Our Duckland of the season wasn't the greatest. And yeah, that this stuff happened. So it was an enjoyable season. A little unlucky, but again, I've talked about market value and of the teams before going into the season. Darmstadt were nearer to Karlsruhe, Regensburg, Sandhausen, and the like to get fourth. I don't want to say, oh, it was would have been too early for Darmstadt to go up, because I think that's bullshit. I think if you're a small club who are always going to have a similar level of investment money infrastructure then it's never too early to go up that's the only thing you aim for is to go up i mean that that line well it's too early for them to go up it's it's a bit like that line uh that that some people use about relegations which is oh yes they need a season in bundesliga to to you know work out some things and regroup and uh, start from scratch no no I mean, it's, financially speaking, it's quite suicidal to get relegated when you when you see what what's been being paid in you know TV money, sponsorship money, in every kind of way. You know, compare the Bundesliga and the Bundesliga two, and you know that getting down to the Bundesliga two is, uh, and you know, in, in in the cases for Ververt Bremen, that could have, if the management hadn't found the right solutions rather quickly, that could have broken the club's neck. Yeah, exactly, and I think it's. 
it's really annoying to be like, oh, it was too early for them to go up. No, but as a small club, you just dream of going up and seeing what you can do because that is what they can only do. It's like a bit like Furt going up. Everyone knew it was going to fail, but they have nothing else to go up, even though they've done it before. So, yeah, I, I don't want to even say, oh, it was past expectations because we lost a lot of players before the season but we brought good ones in and we did it with good money um, and not as much money either. So the quality was obviously there with Luca Fiverr. The quality was obviously there with Teats. So yeah, and we made it possible. We only lost out on a playoff through goal difference, you know? So yeah, it's just anticlimactic more than anything. I mean, HSV and Darmstadt have actually been two of the most consistent sides in, in the Bundesliga 2 uh, this season. Uh, I mean, looking at the Hinrunde table, Darmstadt had uh, 32 points in the Rückrunde. They gathered four less, 28. HSV, on the other hand side, they gathered 29 in the Hinrunde and 31 in the Rückrunde. So, I mean, th- these two teams have been rather consistent throughout the entire season. And what's a little bit unfortunate for them is that both Schalke and Werder Bremen had a bit of a run in the second half of the season that saw them gather enough points to just get past them. Unfortunate, but, you know, better luck next time. Having said that, you would think that Darmstadt's side is going to look slightly different from this season compared to next season. I mean, some of the players are rather young and make for attractive targets on the transfer market this summer, for sure. Probably, um... I had one person ask me if Luca Pfeiffer was going to stay, which I obviously said. Even if I did know, I probably couldn't say. Yep, I would say quite a few. Uh, there were obviously good players on the team. They will obviously be looked at. Hopefully not by Hanover, because they are buying everyone. That, actually, to be fair, most of their transfer deals have been on a freeze so far, so... But yeah, I think, should I just say a very Sally Hamicic thing and be like, they're on contracts, their contracts are there, and they will be there until the end of their contract. Because <laughs> that's all I know. Yes, um, much like Robert Lewandowski won't leave us this summer for sure. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, there was nothing left to talk about in, in the relegation race. I mean, we told you already last week that Dynamitris are going to be a playing in the playoffs, our and English that are down. Now, talking about the promotion playoffs from, from Bundesliga 2 perspective, we've got HSV taking on Hertha BSC. HSV ended up in that third place after winning against Hansa Rostock 3-2 in a wild, frantic match, really. And you really, it's it's one of those things when it comes to HSV, and I talked about this for Werder, I mean, HSV, the players, they do know how much this means for the club, for the city, to have that Bundesliga existence. And over the last few years, they've been stuck in Bundesliga 2. And every year spent in Bundesliga 2 is damaging the soul of the club and the fans. So there's a lot of pressure to go around. And they were crumbling under that pressure against Rostock. But they managed to get their head out of the news. And now they're here in that promotion playoff. And they're taking on Hertha BSC, who are coached by, um, let's see, HSV legend Felix Maggert. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, any thoughts no. <laughs> on, on on those on those two upcoming matches? Because 
I mean, Herta, you know, they've been labelled that big city club by uh, their investor Last Vintos. They've spent millions and millions and millions and millions of euros on new players. And somehow they've managed to end up with the Davy Selke as their striker and Felix Maggert as their coach. Um, Money well spent, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a wild one. First of all, that Hansa Rostock Hamburg game, absolutely insane. So insane that Hansa Rostock fans tried to burn down the stadium at one point. If you did not see that, it was just on flames in towards the end of the match, like ten minutes to go, which is not what you want. And yeah, like everyone thought. By half time, Hamburg 1 0 down. Oh, they're going to mess it up. But as this Hamburg side has repeatedly shown us, they can get past that psychological choking element. Tim Walter has been brilliant in taking the kind of psychological element away from them and focusing more on the football they play. And this HSV Hertha game looks really, really exciting now. I would say. First of all, let's go over this. The teams around that relegation playoff all wanted Hertha rather than Stuttgart. There was rumblings going on from Werder Bremen, Hamburg and Darmstadt. They all wanted Hertha Berlin instead of Stuttgart. Stuttgart are a more organised side. I would say a more well-formed team in terms of quality of players. I think individual quality, you would have to say Stuttgart is better. Nearly said Union. That was also wrong. Um, it, it wouldn't have been wrong. I mean, Union Berlin are better in, in terms of quality than Hertha. <laughs> I mean, they're still better. <laughs> yeah, but they wouldn't have dropped down in relegation. But some of the funniest stuff that's come out of Hertha Berlin, as you said, they've spent loads of money and they should stay up. But we've seen that last season more than ever. But it's not quite true. But I mentioned the psychological aspect. I think it's easier. To actually... Before I go on what's easier, if listeners don't know about the kind of record of what teams do in these playoffs, since they were reintroduced in 2008 and 2009, I think it was 10 out of the 13 times the Bundesliga side has won. And that makes it... it obviously shows a very big disadvantage for the third-placing second Bundesliga squad. As you picked up, the only teams relegated in these three times from the Bundesliga down, two of them have involved Berlin sides. Oh no, Ber- Berlin Union Berlin won it, right? They won actually. They, they won it. They won it. Hertha went down, so that's already the only time they featured. Hertha's gone down, so that's one. And the other was Energie Cottbus. And yeah, so it shows like this massive disadvantage for the second Bundesliga side. However, we know that Hertha Berlin. And when they've featured, they've gone down. The two times Hamburg have been involved, they have won, but they have been the Bundesliga side. But it's more about form. Hamburg have gotten into this playoff in the last game weeks of the season and turned it around after trailing 1-0, which went against everything we knew about this fight Bundesliga Hamburg. Hertha Berlin lost it on the last game day on goal difference. They're both on goal difference too. Both promotion and the relegation from Bundesliga were both on goal difference last minute. I mean, in the, in, in the Bundesliga was even more dramatic so yeah. because uh, Hertha conceded a goal in the 84th minute. Makuku scoring that for Borussia Dortmund while Stuttgart, their opponent for, for that 
playoff spot or relegation playoff spot, they managed to score the decisive goal in the 92nd minute of the match. Yep. Yep. Scenes, absolute scenes everywhere. And I couldn't keep up because nothing had actually happened until those last 10 minutes. And yeah, Hertha Berlin can play quite organised and well playing at times, but no one really knows what they're actually doing. They don't really know what they're actually doing. They rely on a lot of individual quality that they do have. I think that it's best summed up by their assistant coach said, Mark Fotheringham, who said when they were asking him about tactics, he was basically just saying, tactics are not my area of responsibility. They're down to Felix McGatt. Did we play 4-1-4-1? I don't concentrate on tactics, people. I concentrate on distance. Sir Alex Ferguson once said, we play 4-4-2, but with a diamond or 4-3-3. Look, I'm not working for one of the best-known coaches in world football. I'm not concentrating on tactics. I don't care about that. I focus purely on my task, on the pitch, day in, day out. Tactics don't interest me. That's just how it is. And it's about gelled well, and there was good... The lads, the lads gelled well, and there was good distance. And that kind of just shows what Hurt Villain are right now, and... To say Felix Magat is... I mean, the, the, the funny thing <laughs> that Felix Maggot also had an interview where he talked about Julian Nagelsmann. was like, you know what? I don't like those new types of coaches you know, with their laptops and stuff and, you know, their <laughs> tactics. And, you know, I've sometimes sent the guys out with, onto the pitch without any tactics. And, we you know, we played football. We wanted, you know, proper man and all that. And, um, well, oh, oh my. Exactly. <sighs> I mean... It, it's just that. It's just pinnacle, like old man football and you know for all the kind of I know slight jigs that Walter we like to give well not me but I would say Mike who's not here and can't punish me today for saying such a thing you just (laughs) would imagine that Mike chimes in at this point with a slightly snarky ironic comment saying like I love Tim Walter (laughs) what are you talking about great impression (laughs) but um you know you would have to say okay Hamburg lost quite badly. They didn't lose too badly to Freiburg in the end, but there were times where there was loads of gaps. I don't think Hertha Berlin can exploit those gaps as well as a team that nearly just finished in the Champions League. Hamburg are more possessional, they're more fluid, they're drilled, they have great quality on the pitch. Their only problem this season has, and I keep tweeting it every match week, is that for some reason they don't like to score from easy chances for some odd reason the hard chances they'll score the easy ones they won't but i'm slightly confident for hamburg here their head-to-head record Hertha is obviously slightly favorites they've won 11 of the 23 games they've drawn four and Hertha have lost eight so that's quite even to be fair I mean, having said that, and having watched both teams a great deal this season, I have to say that Hamburg strike me as the better unit. They strike me as the better team. I think it's going to suit them. It suits them in the Bundesliga too when they play against sides that also want to, you know, play a little bit of football. They don't like playing against, you know, your Zandhausens or ours that, you know, the sort of teams that just sit back and, you know, don't, you know, all they want to do is destroy the match. But when they play against teams that also want to take the game to them, that suits them. That's the matches where they do well. And again, I think as a unit, they look much, much better and much more well drilled than Hertha Berlin. Obviously, there's a difference between the the two divisions. 
So it's going to be exciting to see. I think it's going to be rather close. But if I was a betting man, and I'm not, and you shouldn't take my advice on this, but if I was, I probably would put my fiver onto HS3 to come out the winning side out of those two matches. Anyways, let's just take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll talk about everything that's been going on in the lower divisions and the Dutta Liga. And let's talk about one of the most important men that German football ever has produced. The man who is as charming as the UK's contribution to the Eurovision Song Contest this year. It's absolutely shite, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Who ever voted for that it crap? Was, it was the judges' vote. Come oh, on. no, it was quite a few public votes, but it was mostly judges' votes. And that's why the Eurovision judges shouldn't exist. It shouldn't exist. Why do they always boo Cyprus giving Greece 12 points? That's for another podcast. They don't boo Portugal giving Spain 12 points, only us. I mean, if you give that wolf the banana, he won't eat your grandma. And that is <laughs> the only thing you should have been taking away from this year's Grand Prix. And obviously the fact that Ukraine won deservedly so. But Norway should have come in second. Anyways, but Mario Basler, the man who is just as charming as the judges votes at the Eurovision Song Contest... He's in a bit of a pickle, and and this time, it's actually not something he's done in a pizzeria, where you know, or something that he's set on a television show, but it's something rather German. It's about <laughs> the rules, right? The rules are the rules. No, that's really, really um, not good. I'm not good at a German accent, despite being here. But yes, everyone who lives in Germany or has dealt with a German will know about the rules and bureaucracy. So, it wasn't very surprising when I saw this article come up. It was about the team Toguchi Osnabrück, and um, who play in the Kreisliga of Osnabrück. Because it Christ, do they do districts? And I'm not that good with Kreisliga. I think that's a little bit too low for me to understand how exactly their district works. So I'm not quite sure, but that's where they are. Mario Basler became the new head coach in the beginning of March. Been on a really good run there. They are near promotion, but the team ahead of them, SV Rajensport. And then I can't remember what DJK is in German, are above them with 11 points, but they've already played two more games. But it could be 14 points because the court in Osnabrück, the sports court, have decided to deduct three points from Toguchu. Now, why is this? It is basically because Toguchu's third team did not upload photos for their electronic like ID system and have not done this for a long time after the authorities had asked. So they sent emails and they weren't read by the board of the team. They sent more emails, they've sent letters and it was only after a publication of the or article in the local press that the club then chose to react. And this case was like, there was 
informal in writing, as I said. There was no reference to like objecting against the ruling or a possibility of the consultation. It was basically just ignored until it came out in press. And their sporting director, Samid Sakinaz, had just said, uh, yeah, that's essentially true. We kind of overlooked it. But he was like, the, the, our board only came in eight months ago, so we didn't always read the inbox and just completely missed it. And, you know, they went to other teams in the Kreisliga Osnabrück C, I think it's called, and asked other teams, like, do you think this fair? Um, and other teams said, no, it's points deduction is a little too harsh because especially for asphalt sport, it would be like unfair to get promoted on this and not in a sporting achievement way. So uh, they've hired a lawyer to try and argue against it, but this is why you should always read your emails, just in case. Yes, the local football association would agree, and so does your mother. Let's move on. It was actually the last match day of uh, most of the Regionalligas. I mean, there's one match day left in the Regionalliga Nord and the Regionalliga Bayern, but all the others are done, and... We had a really exciting last match day of the season night up in the Regionalliga West, as both Rot-Weiss Essen and Preußen Münster were equal on points. Only goal difference separating the two sides, uh, Essen having a better goal difference of plus two compared to Preußen Münster. On the last match day of the season, Rot-Weiss Essen won quite handily against LR Arlen 2 0. Whilst Preußen Münster, they came back from 1 0 down against Erster FC Köln 2, winning that match 2 1. It wasn't enough, which meant that Rot-Weiss Essen is going back to the third tier for the first time in what must feel like forever for Essen and its fans. Now, having Essen back in the Dritte Liga, it's really something that is going to make that league a lot more attractive, going by the huge support this club wields, right? I mean, it's it's one of the big teams that has been missing from the top three divisions for far too long in terms of the outreach and, you know, the amount of fans that it actually has. Yeah, and I think I mentioned I wanted Preußen Munster and that was like one of the only ones that I knew that I wanted to go up. So I'm a little bit sad about that, but you're definitely right. It's a such a big club in Germany in general. That massive um, DFB cup run that they went on last season or was that the season before i feel like it was last season it was the the first covid season think i think it was the first one i thought it was the second one because mm, i if well. i remembered this from 2021 which i personally don't think that yet happened and i remember that that is crazy i think it was 2021 because i was in the country uh, well they they played against the leverkusen and the dfb pokal and that was in 2021. Yay, I was right. They yeah, they knocked another Bundesliga team out as well. Or a couple. Yeah, they did. It was Leverkusen and, and some others. So yeah, the huge support from that time too, where they really shocked quite a few people. And yeah, it, it's great from the Dritte League, who I guess after losing Dresden as well, but only really Kaiserslautern and... Munich. Those are the only real massive teams, I would say, 
after losing Dresden. So they might have Dresden and... MSV Duisburg, you shouldn't forget. Oh, they nearly got relegated, though, so... <laughs> they are big, you know. big side by the history and, and the amount of fans that they do have. Sorry, I should have remembered so Thorsten Liebknecht nearly, nearly messing them up. Sorry, Duisburg fans, I didn't mean it. <laughs> They're probably happy at my my sadness this weekend. I don't care. Yeah, so it's good to have them back. They could have Dresden back down there as well, which would be quite... I mean, it would be for Kaiserslautern, so it's kind of a swap, but I feel like it would still be terrifying in that league. Indeed. And, you know, I mean, it would, it would make that league a little bit more heavy on the East German side. It's Spicy. It, 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 you know, it's always been a league that has featured a lot of East German clubs over the last few years. Anyways, to give you a rundown of what's been going on elsewhere in the Regionalligas, in Bayern, in the Regionalliga Bayern, Bayreuth are finally through. They've been promoted in the Regionalliga Südwest, as we told you last week. It's SV Elversberg going up. In the Regionalliga Nordost, we have BFC Dynamo ready for the playoff, and they look like they're going to take on VfB Oldenburg, who are three points ahead of Weiche Flensburg with one match left to play. And, you know, at this point, VfB Oldenburg have the better goal difference. They have plus 19 and Weichier Flensburg have plus 10 and well VfB Oldenburg can secure that playoff spot on the 21st of May when they take on Holstein Kiel 2 at home anyways so that is all the Regionalliga business out of the way let's move on to the Dritte Liga not a lot of surprises in store there Braunschweig and Magdeburg are going up going down we have Tukuchu, uh, Havelse, Würzburg and Victoria Berlin, who lost their remote duel against SC Vell on the last match of the season. And then, in the playoff spot, we've got Kaiserslautern. Now, Kaiserslautern, as we told you last week, sacked their coach and installed Dirk Schuster, who has now had a little bit over a week to get to know his players. And now he, you know, after 10 days on the training pitch, gets to take on Dynamo Dresden. And Dynamo Dresden, I mean, they've changed coaches as well. And they lost to Auer on the last match day of the Bundesliga 2. So what are we making of that duel of, of two sides that, you know, one side has just fired its coach because they've lost three matches on the pass and ended up in the promotion playoff, whilst the other side has sacked its coach and really hasn't seen any sort of improvement ever since doing so. Yeah, this is a really hard one um, because we won't get to see any Dirk Schuster games before coming in. We've seen Capri under Dresden and they are both on bad form so I don't know what the psychological benefit here is at play. So as I said in the first part in the Bundesliga playoff between the Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2, the Bundesliga team usually wins, has won 10 out of 13 times. If you look at the Spiter Bundesliga playoff however, it's actually the Dritte League team that wins more. Um, maybe they benefit from thinking that they are the underdog more than the second Bundesliga side. But it's been 9 out of the 13 times that the Dritte Liga team has won. Dynamo Dresden has been on both the side getting promoted from one of these um, playoffs from the Dritte Liga up. And also winning while being in the Spite Bundesliga too. So they've had a little bit more experience in the playoff, but they're not historically good against Kaiserslautern. I think their head-to-head is nine wins from Kaiserslautern, 
two draws and six wins from Dynamo Dresden. And yeah, Dynamo Dresden lost to Auer, which seems unbelievable. Haven't had a win under Capretti. Haven't had a win in the complete Rückrunde of their season. Yeah, so in, in terms of tough one to call, it's a tough one. There's no redeeming features of either side. I mean, you know, you could just say the new manager bounce from Dirk Schuster to Kaiserslautern alone could get Kaiserslautern promoted and Dinamo Dresden relegated. And I will probably be at that second leg of the game at Dresden. So Hooray! If you don't hear from me after that, um, an ultra probably coughed up too much from an ultra's flames after that team being relegated. Yes, the German police has already gone public stating that these matches are going to be considered high-risk matches. Two very surprising, exactly no one. <laughs> Anyways, time for some ground-hopping advice. And, you know, it's, it's kind of difficult to pick places that Mike hasn't picked so far. But I'm, I'm fairly certain that he hasn't picked the Parkstadion in Neustrelitz. Now, Neustrelitz is in East Germany. It's a quite little town. It's fairly lovely in the city centre, old architecture. It's it's a nice place to be. And it, it gets actually a special mention in Michael Wagg's book about East German football. If you haven't read that book, you should get it. The stadium itself has a capacity of 7,000 spectators. Uh, it actually had the lovely name of the ground for East German and Soviet friendship back in the GDR days. And it's actually placed a little bit outside of the city so you sort of have to go through uh, some woods to get there much like uh, when you go to the stadium in Köpenick to watch Union Berlin you, you sort of get that same feeling the stadium has actually a running track around it but um it's fairly small intimate it's a nice place to be really and the fans when I went there for the uh Pokal tie against Freiburg back in the day. They were actually in great spirit and made some great noise. And yeah, it's one of those places that are worth a visit when you are in East Germany. A little bit about the team, uh, Neustrelitz. They're currently playing in the fifth tier of German football. After Germany has been reunited, uh, the team has varied between the fourth, fifth and sixth tier. And the Regionalliga, they actually had the best season in 2013-2014 when they won the Regionalliga Nord-Ost. But hey, there was that playoff match that they had to play against Mainz's second team, which they lost. So they narrowly missed out on promotion to the third tier that year. Uh, and right now they're playing in the uh, fifth tier of German football. During GDR times, they actually were as far up, as high up as the second tier, but never any higher than that. So not necessarily a club with a lot of panace and great history, but some history and uh, a lovely stadium in a lovely city. So not the worst advice, right? Good substitution advice. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to Mike is doing these again. Anyways, uh, this is it. <laughs> for another edition of uh, Talking Foosball Extra. Aufstieg, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Jasmine, uh, where can people find your work and where can they find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter, underscore Jasmine Barber, and all my work I post there, so it's really the best way to catch me on something called doing something. Right, if you want to hear my thoughts about the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, you should get in touch with me on Twitter as well. Uh, my name is Nick Viltang, and you can find me at Normusings. If you want to give this podcast a banana, you can get in touch with us at Talking Foosball. Oh, that was unexpected. Yes. 
Anyways, uh, you can find us on Patreon as well, patreon.com forward slash talking foosball. Loads and loads of historic content up on that page. I think we'll be back with one more episode this season where we go through all the results from the playoffs, and that's going to be next week. Until then, it is goodbye for now.